0: Welcome to the Safari Stories Podcast. The podcast where you'll hear nail-biting stories about all sorts of animals and adventures. Each week, you'll get to ride along as our guests share their amazing safari stories with you. Now, let's jump in to your safari stories for today with your host, John Lister. Thank you everyone for joining us today. Uh, Today, we have Jean Graham as our guest and uh, Jean runs a safari company called Discover Kruger. Cover Kruger. You can find more details on on Facebook and Instagram. And Jean, thank you very much for joining us.
1: It's a pleasure, John. And yeah, thanks for inviting me. It's uh, yeah, great to talk to someone that's like minded on safaris as well. So yeah, um, nice to be here.
0: No, and uh, thank you for taking the time to join us. And so, um, one of the things I always do and I always ask about is a little bit about your background and how you how you became involved in nature and how you fell in love with nature. So. Uh, maybe if you could start with that, please.
1: Yeah, well, I, my family actually was um, when from really young we used to uh, organise trips to Kruger. So uh, my dad used to uh, probably book us two probably two trips a year from Durban. We used to come up from Durban, so it's yeah, it was quite a drive. But he used to basically, um, you know, we used to come for our trip, and then a month later, when they opened the bookings eleven months in advance. He used to book again for the eleventh month. So to make sure that uh, we got some nice accommodation as well. So, yeah, we spent a lot of time, uh, a lot of different camps. Um, the whole family uh, did it. We um, went uh, right from the south to the north of the park, so, uh, all the camps we stayed in. And uh, it, it just became, you know, like a love that uh, it was our, our great treat just to actually go to the park. And, um, you know, one thing my dad used to, do, we, well, we used to laugh at it. um later on but then but before we didn't laugh so much because if we weren't number one or two in the queue of the cars in the morning he was very grumpy for the first hour so uh yeah I used to get us out of bed and of course in the holidays school holiday time was very busy so yeah we had to get out of bed very early to go sit in the car and wait at the gate to be make sure that we were actually in the park uh, as early as possible so yeah it just was ingrained and um yeah big. Going also to the north of the park, uh, we just saw a lot of different uh, scenery, birds, and uh, yeah. And I actually um, didn't go straight into um, out of school into the um, wildlife. I actually worked as an assistant racehorse trainer for quite a number of years, and uh, also, though, I did holidays. You know, when we had our leave, we also used to go to the park, and then. Um, you know, I sort of like realized the economy and horse racing is actually struggling a little bit. Um, It's a luxury item. So people were sort of fading a bit. And I also thought like, if I start my own stables, is it going to be something I can maintain? So I decided rather, you know, let me put my other passion and see if I could actually make a business out of this. You know, I was a bit concerned when I first started, you know, am I going to ruin my passion by making it a business? But yeah, that hasn't happened at all. So I really, have uh, enjoyed the transition and um, yeah I started, uh, I moved up here from Durban uh, so about 11 years ago and to start the business and yeah and then I do day drives from Crocodile Bridge in with the open vehicle into this area normally like six hours or ten hours so yeah and it's always been great to see that uh, even though you're doing the same gait a lot and you know a lot of the roads the animals are always doing something different so it's, it's really been a great job so I'm enjoying it a lot.
0: Yeah, wow. And one of the things um, I always remember as a kid is there's a couple of stories that always stick in my mind from when I was uh, younger and uh, what I witnessed. Is there a couple of those for yourself?
1: Um, You know, I think um, we actually uh, had so much experiences that we sort of like, um, you know, it sort of like blew it a little bit. But, um, (laughs) you know, it would be my dad was a good role model. In fact, that, you know, he would be he would drive with us and, uh, you know, we'd be maybe starting to get a little bit grumpy because we hadn't seen a cat or, you know, something like that. And he'd, you know, he sort of make us appreciate basically anything that was in our path. So that sort of like, you know, made me a little bit more respectful of uh, looking at everything as well. So, you know, when we did have that cat suddenly jump onto a termite mound or, you know, we were driving once on the Saliki Road, and uh, which is the S30 on the other side of the river, Sabi River, and you know the cat suddenly jumped up almost eye level with our vehicle. You know it's it's like something you appreciate even more. You know to suddenly have something like that just appear. And you know he's sort of like ingrained in, in us that uh, you should appreciate anything that uh, that comes. You know in, you know that you are seeing. So yeah, I mean it's. Um, but we did so many trips. I have to say, like a lot of it doesn't really stand out too much from our childhood because we were up here like every year. so.
0: Wow, yeah and, and it sounds like you've spent a lot of time in the park, so that leads us to present day, and um obviously you've been running the company by sounds of like things for eleven years you said
1: Yes, yeah, to be 11 years now, so yeah that I've actually been doing it, yeah, so um and uh, yeah, we actually um you know a very it's a small personal company, so I don't like to um you know I try to do all the drives myself, and for some reason it's it's an impossible situation for whatever is cropped up but um, yeah I I do try to be very hands-on and so you know be the guide and the the owner as well so at least you know people feel like they're dealing with uh, well the head of the company as well and then you know I have uh, had people request you know that that I would um, guide them and drive them so yeah it's sort of like you do make it a little bit more of a, a personal relationship with clients.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I, I suppose one of the, the benefits of doing that is that you have repeat customers and people uh, come back and they ask for you and you take them out and uh, you build a bit more of a relationship.
1: Yes, no, it's uh, we do get uh, quite a few repeat customers and, uh, yeah, then, you know, sometimes it's a bit of pressure because, you know, your last time they came, they had an awesome drive or, you know, and um, although they know in their heads that, yes, uh, it's definitely... You know, um, something that changes all the time. Sometimes they do expect, like, uh, okay, we're going to see this again. You know, So, yeah, it can be pressure, but it's always great to see the familiar faces come back in. So, yeah, it's something that's... uh,
0: Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, you set the benchmark and then all of a sudden they come back and they want to keep on lifting that benchmark and not always possible with wildlife.
1: That's it. Um, But that's why people come back again and again because it's not predictable. It changes every five minutes in that park. And, uh, you know, it's not like moving to a safari zoo where, you know, you're going to see stuff like uh, this is going to be in that enclosure and that is going to be in that um, park on that side. So, yeah, it's why people come back again and again and again and, uh, you know, rebook all the time. So it's something that's uh, very volatile, very changeable inside there, which makes it exciting.
0: And uh, you're the only person seeing it. It's not on a screen or anything. Um, It's you and the animal live
1: and that's it. Yes, that's it. You know, they actually um, suddenly also do something that you haven't read about in your animal behaviour book. You know, they're supposed to do something that uh, you were told that they would do and they do something completely different. So again, you sort of like learn every day from their behaviour inside there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the guiding side of things is a real skill, uh, positioning the vehicle, right, for photography and all sorts. So there's a lot more to it that the uh, average Joe doesn't realise.
1: Yeah, that's correct. And, uh, you know, obviously the Kruger being a a commercial park, very busy in the holiday time and and, um, it's not always easy to get the best position. We always try to, uh, you know, let the clients, uh, you know, get their their lovely photos and so on. And obviously that's what they've come to see. But, yeah, sometimes it's a bit tricky with the amount of uh, traffic that can be at a sighting. Absolutely. But, yeah, sometimes, yeah, you actually just have the luck that, you know, you might. basically are the first car there or the second car and so on at least uh, yeah you get some decent photos as well
0: absolutely well i mean you don't control the wildlife so uh you can only do your best
1: yeah that's true
0: (laughs) so uh moving on um let's go to some of your stories um maybe if you could tell us a little bit about uh some of your more memorable sightings in the
1: yeah the one that um stuck out a lot was uh a couple of years ago um we had a bit of a quiet uh, morning. Well, I actually, say a very quiet morning. Um, you know, sometimes you can actually have a, uh, a few hours where you just seem to miss the, everything. It's jumped out of the tree. It's uh, it moved out of the shade of the bush, and just before you got there. So it's quite trying, and you're getting uh, you've got clients on the back that are you know getting a little bit disappointed, although still enjoying the nature but yeah it's you know it's sort of like they came to see one of the cats and there's no cats to be seen so yeah it was a bit of a tough day that uh, we had a breakfast break still hadn't seen a cat you know did uh, the river came back um, and uh, you know stopped at the lunch break at Loisabi and after the lunch break I said to him look you know let's just try once more go four kilometers up the river you know because this is the area that we have got a resident lion pride so you know they can pop out any stage and then, uh, you know, we'll be heading down to Bridge to finish your drive. So they agreed, that's fine, no worries. So we went up, uh, we were probably about two and a half kilometres up and uh, we saw a couple of lionesses moving into the, the reeds. So I stopped the vehicle and uh, they were very excited because now, you know, there's at least some um, cats there. So the lions were in and out of visual. Um, it was our, our big pride, which is uh, one known as the Luby Lubi pride. They are very successful around that camp, Uh, sometimes can be 18 strong, 20 strong. So they were in and out of visual and they were sort of like a little bit, um, yeah, the people were enjoying watching them. But for me, I was just um, starting to scan a little bit around because, you know, I could see they were still going to take time to get into a decent position, the lions. So while I was actually looking up to the top of the bank on the other side of the river, I saw um, the flash of uh, spots and the leopard stepped out into the open at the top of the bank. And in front of him, he'd actually flushed a porcupine. So porcupine being a nocturnal animal is very special to see in the daytime. And now you've got a leopard actually, uh, you know, who's one of the most successful porcupine hunters actually showing, although it was far away, he's showing his ability on how to actually catch porcupine. So I'm telling the people, you know, forget the lions, look up at the leopard. They're, you know, he's right at the top there. So they shifted their binocks to look at the leopard. So we watched the leopard actually um, kill the porcupine by flipping him and grabbing into his uh, um, stomach and picking it up. So he made the kill. But of course, um, I think the lion suddenly realized that now there's action above them. So a couple of the lionesses started to um, move up the bank and smelling out what was happening. And the lioness, actually, one of them went around the bush where the leopard had disappeared with his kill and, uh, you know, obviously tried to attack the leopard there, who then bolted to the one side. And the lioness took over the porcupine quill. Um, so she came out with the the porcupine in her mouth and uh, the leopard bolted to the one side and then sat on a rock and was extremely grumpy because the lioness had taken his kill and then she sat on the rocks and the others all tried to join her and she refused to let any of them have her kill so she wouldn't share at all so she was one of the biggest lionesses and they all just had to sit to the side and she finished it with uh, them all uh, sitting watching her and the leopard sitting watching from the other side of course, I mean, that was huge. You now, after a very quiet uh, morning, we actually had, um, you know, the two of the um, cats, the one with a kill, a porcupine. So, yeah, it was fantastic. And then, you know, I said to people, unfortunately, we need to sort of go because, you know, we don't want to be late for the gates closing at Crockbridge. So we headed down uh, straight sort of like towards Crockbridge and almost at the gates, about two kilometres from the gate, there was about four or five cars parked at the one junction. And, um, when pulling in there, there was a herd of impalas and the one vehicle said to us, these cheetahs stalking the impalas. So we sat in the one spot and literally a couple of minutes after we stopped, um, our female cheetah that we know is the Crocbridge female, um, who has at that stage had two um, juveniles with her. She actually made a successful kill on the impala. So, I mean, uh, and then her cubs came to join her. So after not having any of the cats in the beginning of the day, we ended up with all three cats that afternoon. So, yeah, it just shows you sometimes, you know, patience is <laughs> is needed. And, um, you know, it's actually rewarded. So, uh, yeah, it was an incredible day. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite a thing. But, you know, to get clients to understand as well that uh, sometimes you have to maybe wait a little bit it is quite a thing. But, yeah. yeah, that was a really awesome day.
0: So, yeah, Wow. I mean, it just shows that your luck can change in the instance. And to see three cats and two make a kill, um, that's incredible.
1: Yeah, it was certainly uh, you you know, we can go in, uh, you know, days and days in that park and you don't see the actual kill. So, Mm -hmm. you know, to see any kill, even a crocodile make a kill of a barbell is something that's uh, always very special. You don't get to see it all the time.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and then, uh, now, is the cheetah that you're talking about, the super mum that had the five
1: Cubs, is that the same sheep? Uh, no, that uh, is actually um, a daughter of Supermom. Ah, oh, okay. So we call her a Cropbridge female, and uh, at that point she did have the two juveniles. So uh, basically um, Supermom is her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, Supermom uh, is, um, comes from Shishengeni, with a Shishengeni concession. So she normally uh, will almost have her cubs there, and then she'll often bring them out into the area. So the reason we are reckoning that they are related is because, um, you know, they are territorial. So we've had super mom with her five cubs um, and then uh, the cropbridge female, 300 meters away with her two juveniles, quite relaxed with each other. Yeah. So normally, uh, you know, related females will be a little bit more tolerant of each other. Mm-hmm. So we've seen that uh, within, you know, where they actually are um, very close to each other and there's no aggression shown. So a uh, female is actually the younger one and the daughter of the super mom. But, yeah, Supermum, uh, we haven't uh, – we last saw her maybe two months ago now. Um, before lockdown, she was in the area here. Um, but they don't show their pregnant until almost, you know, a few weeks before they have the baby. So we're not quite sure if she's about to have some more cubs. or. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> we're all looking forward to seeing if she can produce another litter of five.
0: Absolutely. She became very famous there for a while. Everyone was trying to see Supermom.
1: Yes, yeah, she uh, is actually um, one of our – our star starring um, um, yeah starring cats in this cropbridge area you know it was actually the gate was actually drawing more and more people just to come and see her because and she's very relaxed with traffic so for her she used to just uh, sit on the side of the road and not worry if there was uh, 40, 50 cars looking at her she wasn't too concerned yeah, so wow. yeah she's always had a fabulous temperament Yeah, so yeah we're hoping that um, she'll uh, bring more cubs into the area and then at the moment, uh, we don't cropbridge female and super mom are not that obvious. We think we've got Duke female with her two juveniles are down here at the moment. Oh
0: wow! And so it sounds like you become accustomed or start recognizing animals you see them quite regularly. Is that
1: the case? Yes, uh, definitely. Things like your um, your leopard and your cheetah because they have the unique spots on the on the faces and obviously territorial. So we are, you know, if you go into an area, you do expect to actually maybe see that one and obviously um, you know then uh, the lions as well are are difficult with the females but the males are obviously more distinctive and they will hold an area for maybe uh, four or five years if they're successful so we have the Shishengeni coalition of uh, four males here in our area at the moment and they are the pride males for Vahami, um, Hippar Pools Pride and South Shishengeni Pride and part of Guamandana Pride as well so they are successful but unfortunately getting very old now they're nearly 11 years old so for them uh, you know it's starting to the time that the younger males are going to come in and we're already seeing the guamadan coalition of four males starting to get approach closer and closer so we're thinking they are going to take over for homie pride
0: yeah wow yeah and, and it must be uh, incredible and interesting very interesting to watch these stories unfold
1: yes you know we actually uh used to you unfortunately get it a little bit attached to the animal that if they're in this uh, same area you know you you do sort of uh, aware of them and then sometimes when you don't see them again or if you do unfortunately see them dead it's quite heart-rending mm-hmm. because you've actually grown to know them and uh you know like the the luby luby male leopard was something that was very traumatic for us um guides he was a fabulous leopard who every two three days used to just pop out onto the Luby, Luby rocks. It's uh, rocks that look like pride rock, four kilometers away from Loisabi up the river. And he really was uh, quite a show off. You know, he used to pose on those rocks and, you know, just um, spend like three, four hours lying there on different area and also not concerning himself with the amount of traffic. And, you know, he existed with Luby Luby pride for maybe four or five years. He, kept, he managed to avoid them, you know, and then obviously one day... Something happened. Yeah, it was uh, interesting, but it, yeah, very traumatic because he was one of our favourites, of course. Yeah.
0: And some of your other stories, and uh one of the other things that sort of evokes some great memories.
1: Um, yeah, there's actually um another um you know like a reason I love the S28 road. Um, you know, it's one of my favourite roads in the park, although it's a bit of a seasonal road, so it's good in certain seasons, but. Uh, yeah, we also, you know, left cropbridge early as gates open and, um, you know, headed up the S28. And just by the Shishengeni Junction, which is three kilometres up, uh, you know, a young male lion was moving around a lot. So we had him cross the road a couple of times. He gave us some very nice shots. Uh, he was obviously maybe trying to find the, his brothers because the, the coalition is seven at the moment as well of the young Bahami males. So they've actually been moving around. So, yeah, he gave us a great visual so, yeah, people were very excited, you know, within the first um, 15 minutes they've had a line cross a, over a few times. And then we carried on going uh, up the 28, which is a nice general game road. You know, it's plenty of things like buffalo, elephant, a lot of that on there as well, and uh, things like giraffe, kudu, you know, steenbok. And uh, then about 10 k up um, we had a male cheetah moving around next to us as well. He also crossed the road eventually and uh, gave us a very nice um, display. So, yeah, I mean, you know, now you've had two cats, and this is before breakfast. This is, you know, great already, so everything is super. Drive another three kilometers, and there sits on the termite mound a leopard, um, a female leopard that is actually known to us from Gromondon. She's a very um, famous leopard as well because uh, even though she's only two years old, she's had enormous number of photos on Facebook because she loves to pose. But yeah, for some reason, she spent five days on the S28, uh, which is not a road normally known for leopard. And uh, yeah, she's also a leopard that really doesn't mind being in the open, so unusual for a leopard. And yeah, so then, you know, within like our basically uh, 45 minutes, we had all three cats on that road. So yeah, very excited people and, uh, you know, vindicated by saying the S28 is one of the best roads in the park as well.
0: Well, Last on that, uh, so S28 is obviously your favourite road.
1: Yes, it is. You know, as I say, it's a seasonal road, so sometimes you know when the grass is very, very long, it's a grassland savanna road. So you know, you find your grass is very high there. So you do have to play it sometimes that yeah, okay. You know, the grass is just too long at the moment. But then generally, it's um, you know a road that can produce anything sort of in quick time as well. And uh, you know, it's very, very well known for cheetah. So, you know, having less than 200 cheetahs in the whole park, it's uh, one that, especially if you have somebody that actually says, look, you know, they'd really, really love to see a cheetah. You know, that's your road to try, you know, for the cheetahs. But um, again, you know, they're not an easy cat. They don't hide like leopards do, but just because of the numbers, you know, if they are, you know, at the other side of their territory, then you're out of luck. But uh, basically it's a road that, um, you know, as I say, you can have a lot of stuff on it. And general game is good. So then people at least feel that they've seen a variety of stuff by the time we've got to Sabi. You know, they've seen things that, um, you know, they actually read that they things like Warthog and Vildebeers and Zebra and Kudu and Giraffe are all, like, um, being seen. So people start to at least feel, yeah, I've seen quite a lot of general game. So, you know, and then a cat or two in the mix is also always something. So, yeah, it's definitely one of my favourites.
0: Absolutely. And um, and do you get to spend uh, some nights in the park at all?
1: um, Family and friends, I do, you know, we do organise. Uh, I don't normally do overnights for clients unless it's been arranged a long time ahead. I have uh, dogs and cats at home and uh, still two horses as well. So, yeah, not at home, but they are the stables a little bit further. But um, so I I do need to arrange house sitters and... uh, pet sitters and so on so yeah it's not one that I can just uh, go up and go but yeah if sometimes if people um, give me enough advance warning then I have actually done trips up to places like Sitara, Olifant's, uh, those camps a little bit higher up so people can experience the central region as well.
0: Well it was actually a bit of a leading to my uh, what's your favourite camp question so.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Olifant's is for scenery it's my favourite. It is the most fantastic camp perched right on the top of a, um, you know, like a river view. And yeah, for scenery, you just cannot beat it. But uh, yeah, you need to, from Olyfans, you do need to come south again to get into the best game viewing areas um, around Satara. That is uh, is also one that can have anything on any of its roads and a lot of roads leading out from that camp. So yeah, Satara so is always a, a great one to stay at. That we do try to include. If booking a trip up there, we include Satara as well. And then, uh, yeah, um, you know, Loisavi is something. Um, it's a, it's a great favourite of mine, but it also means that I'm in the same area as I do drives <laughs> down here as well. So sometimes, you know, we we sort of like book a little bit higher up to go experience there as well. Yeah. But yeah, they um, there's another camp at called um, Tamburi, a tented camp near Open also a fabulous camp so i enjoy that camp a lot as well
0: fair enough and and um on a day if you're planning a trip and you don't really know much about uh where any game is or no one's really been seeing much much what's your sort of plan as to how you plan which uh roads to take and which routes to take
1: um it's it actually depends on you know in the last few days what's been moving around a lot you do get patterns and especially when the weather has been stable for a while. You know, you actually find that you get a a bit of an idea that they're going to be in that area, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's it's not always cut and dried, but um, we sort of like, in our area in Crockbridge, uh, especially in summer, it's very active early. Um, So, you know, it's basically, if you want to um, also check, like maybe five, six kilometres up the S25, which is, you know, the dirt road leading to the left as you come in that one leads all the way to Milan, that's a good area that, um, you know, you can check just uh, for things like, you know, the lions, the Shushengeni lions are often on that road. And, um, you know, things like elephants and, uh, you know, sometimes buffalo in that area as well. And then, the you know, we sometimes then will backtrack and come back to the main tar road and then decide whether to maybe take S-28 if it's that time of year or uh, up the Guamandan road, which is another decent road for leopards. Uh, or up the tar as well. So we sort of also Might uh, when we get the guests on the vehicle, we sort of will inquire to them You know, what are they really looking to see and uh, from there? We also make sometimes a decision because we know there's more chance of maybe getting that animal in that area or that one in that area So it's sort of like it's never cut and dried the night before like I'm definitely going to do this road It's sort of like, um, you know, what we've decided you know from talking to the people of what they've seen sometimes you have people that have actually come in um you know the day before they've driven through the park themselves because they've been on the other side especially doing things like the panorama route or Blider river canyon so they've actually entered the park at uh, somewhere like the hazy view side you know kruger gate and come through the park all the way through to come and stay at their lodge in the crock area so in commodity so they might have seen some stuff on the way through and they might be missing a few other things so, you know, we sort of talk to them and say, OK, you know, yes, um, you know, we'll try maybe this road because you know, you haven't seen that. We haven't seen the next thing. I had um, one group. I do a few um, drives for tour operators, you know, through the year they book um, at certain lodges. And then, you know, it's a group uh, that's a, a group tour through South Africa, that type of thing. So they always do come through the park before and, you know. They said to me, basically, they'd seen this and this, but, you know, they'd love to see a little bit of a different area of the park. So then I changed to go actually through to Malalan side and then back up that side and, and through on the other side. And uh, funny enough, that day, although we actually weren't, we were sort of like more trying to show them a different area and one or two other things, we actually ended up on that route having eight different leopards, which was absolutely crazy. So, you know, I mean, eight leopards in a day is just ridiculous. So, uh, you know, you just never know. I mean, you might have decided, you know, for the reason is to actually show them something different of the park and then the animals stay along. But, you, are, you know, you just, it's never cut and dried exactly where we're going. But we do do normally end up at breakfast break at Lower Sarby because it can pop out around there. And also it's obviously got the restaurant where people uh, can go and have a nice meal overlooking the river and, you know, see the crocs and hippos quite close as well. So, you know, we normally on our first time people, we often spend the, you know, we go up to Lower Sabi and have the break there and then decide also from there which areas to go to. Yeah,
0: fair enough. And um, maybe uh, another story uh, that you'd like to share with us.
1: Yeah, I'm going to share a, a bit of a scary one. Um, this is a, you know, um, a situation that is was unexpected. Um, you know, we... Uh, you know, we do have a lot of questions about the vehicles are open and, you know, what can you do, you know, what's going to happen if something happens and so on. So yeah, most of the times we actually, it's, you know, they, the, the thoughts processes that people have is a lot worse than what it is, but this time, you know, I had a full vehicle. It was holiday time. I had 10 people um, with me, which means uh, there's nine people on the back of the vehicle and one person next to me, sitting next to me. And I did have um, a return couple that, they're very nice um, people with their um, family. And uh, this time, the lady was sitting next to me. Um, so she was at the level, you know, it's the front part is a normal um, pickup truck, a bucky, as we call it. So it's the level of, a, you know, sort of like eye level sometimes with some of the animals. So I was actually turned on the S-28 and I was um, going down. There's a dip, a concrete dip about two kilometers, two and a half kilometers up that road. And as I was going down into the dip, um, so now the vehicle was quite low and there's a bit of a bank on the side. The, the leopard that we call the S-28 grumpy leopard <laughs> stepped up. So we basically, the vehicle and the leopard hit the same area, you know, same spot at exactly at the same time. And this leopard hates anybody human he hates traffic he hates you can't believe how grumpy that's why he gets his name grumpy as 28 leopard anyway he stepped up and he was eye level with this woman you know and we honestly none of us saw each other until the last second so he immediately started to growl and snarl and i mean now he's eye level with her and literally a meter from her face so i mean i just said to her, keep quiet keep still and immediately stopped the vehicle and, and back the vehicle because i wanted to give him a chance that he felt that he could actually go the other side. So like I backed very slowly and I just said to him, because the more, you know, the more, the faster you react, the more that they will actually respond. So a cat has a trigger and, you know, it's best to be slow and quiet with any aggression from a cat. So in backing the car slowly, you know, he started to, his growl started to subside and um, then he ran across the road in front of us. So, you know, I mean, I got a huge fright. She was panicked totally. So we actually got to the breakfast break at Saby, and uh, she made her husband change seats and come and sit next to me as well. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she said she's not sitting at that level ever again. And um, then, uh, you know, we actually had another leopard during the further down the road. And uh, But luckily, you know, this was a normal leopard behavior. He was... Uh, he just crossed the road and carried on going. But yeah, she was actually very panicky. And if you ask her to this day, she will still remember that face and the growling and snarling that was going on, you know, from, so it was like very traumatic for everyone. So. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And and that's the thing, you know, animals are unpredictable. And as long as you keep it cool and act rationally and slowly, it um, should be fine.
1: Yeah, I know the best thing with, uh, even with elephants, you know, they're, they're not a, um, a hunter, but any fast reaction is what sets them off. So it's best to go as as cool as possible. Um, You know, it's it's sometimes not easy to be to quiet and slow movements, you know, but that even with an elephant is actually best to go as slow as possible. And that actually normally gets a better reaction than if you shoot off as fast as possible because the reaction then is to chase. So even an elephant has is a, a, like a chase instinct.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And um, we're drawing to a bit of a close. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us or say before we...
1: Um, yeah, no. Um, I'm just trying to think uh, what else we've... Uh, another experience. Um, I also had another experience with a lion, which wasn't... Uh, we used to have a really, a really aggressive male lion. Um, we knew him because he had no tuft on the end of his tail. Um, he used to be... On the tar road between us and Loisabi and uh, near the H5 junction, and we all knew him, and uh, you know we always had respect for him because he didn't like anybody as well. And uh, it was school holidays again, and uh, there he was uh, mating with a female. And there was a lot of cars when I actually approached the sighting, and the lions were very far up. So yeah, you know, I actually thought, well, this is going to take um, a lot of time just to get to the the lion. So you know, I can explain to my um, guests on the back, and luckily quite sensible young chaps that I had on the back, Um, you know, I can explain to them when we start getting closer that, listen, this is an aggressive male, you know, please uh, no sudden movements. Don't hang over the side of the car, you know, and uh, if he does start showing aggression, please don't um, actually click cameras in his face and that type of thing. So I was all thinking, this is fine. You know, we're going to have lots of time because look how many cars there are. And what happened was the female jumped up and she ran all the way down the row of cars and stopped right next to our vehicle. And of course the male followed her. And now I had cars in front, I had cars behind because now we boxed in and they're mating next to us. And of course, as soon as he finished, he charged our vehicle, even though the vehicle was standing still. Well, I tell you what, I mean, uh, you know, I'm trying to stage whisper to the people who are squeaking on the back there in fright, um, because he is now um, zoning in on them. He's growling, their tail is uh, swishing from side to side. And uh, if I reached out, I could have actually Patted him on his back. That's how close he is. But he's zoning in on the people at the back because they're making more noise. And I'm saying to them, keep quiet, keep quiet, you know. And um, it was also very, very scary. And I said to them, as soon as we can, we're going to be moving off. Um, But I said, sit still, just give him a chance to relax. You know, and um, yeah, he started to just simmer down a little bit. And I was really desperately trying to actually get out of the situation with trying to get around cars without the lion actually coming with us. So, yeah, it was another situation that uh, was unexpected and just shows you that you never can predict exactly what's going on in that part.
0: No, uh, absolutely. You, know, you never know what's around the corner.
1: That's it. Um, as I say, it uh, makes it very exciting. And, uh, yeah, sometimes they do, do exactly what you say, which is great, and then you look, you look like you know what you're talking about, and other times they do exactly the opposite, and then you look that you don't know what you're talking about. So, yeah, it's a, it's a nice situation all the time.
0: Exactly right um, and on that note, Jean, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, have a chat and share some of your experiences and stories with us.
1: Yeah, and no, it's a pleasure John and yeah thanks as I say thanks for inviting me again and yeah good to share you know with the people uh, just uh, sometimes what does happen in the park but yeah, um, I'm sure everybody also has some great experiences. So it's always nice to listen to everyone's uh, episodes uh, that you're doing that they can actually also share the experiences.
0: Thank you very much, Jean. And uh, for all our listeners, um, if you want to see uh, some of Jean's photos and hear more about her company, um, it's Discover Kruger, all one word on Facebook, Um, also on Instagram as Discover Kruger and soon to be on Twitter. So on that note, um, the links will be in the uh, bio, but thank you very much, Jean.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to the Safari
0: Stories podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's stories. If you liked our show and want to see the pictures and videos from today's stories, please visit our website at safaristories.com as well as Safari Stories Facebook page and Instagram. It would mean the world to us if you could take the time to leave a rating, review, or comment. Join us again next time to hear more Safari Stories.